Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. Guys, for those of you that are new to the show, you will know that we're about two things, those who are living their passion and people who are creating greatness in the world. And Alana is doing both those things. So we have a little bit of time here for her to share all her greatness and her amazingness. And uh, before we get started, though, I'm going to give a little bit of your bio. Is that cool? Totally. Actually, before I get bios, I always do a little bit of origin stories. So my friend, our friend, Tony Lilios, I think made the intro. Is that that correct? Totally. That's correct. I screwed up. Tony was supposed to be on the show and I um, booked him when I was on spring break. So I still, he, you beat him to the punch. So Tony, <laughs> you're up next. <laughs> you're like, what a treat. <laughs> you're like, Oh, what song is he going to sing Tony? Um, but yeah, we met through Tony. We are, um, we both are uh, fast friends from our background in, in the entrepreneurs organization. We spent much time there in our own respective worlds. And now the worlds have collided as they do sometimes on the greatness machine. But um, that's that's how Alana and I met. And I do want to give her formal bio. So I'm going to pull that up here. Um, you guys, Alana is a serial entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur, and she has grown four separate enterprises, few with global attention. She's a master coach and a team and team facilitator. She's the president of Transformative Forum, and she runs retreats, EO and YPO forums and workshops and one-on-one training to help transform the lives of high-achieving entrepreneurs, executives, and their leadership teams worldwide. She's also CEO and chief spy mistress of the MI6 Academy and your Stiletto Spy School. I cannot wait to talk about being the chief spy mistress. <laughs> Her mission is to help leaders shift from success to impact. And one of her core beliefs is, I'm going to read this slowly and efficiently, the degree to which you are self-aware is the degree to which you can su- successfully scale your organization. So we're going to be talking all about that and more. Alana, welcome to the show. Thank you, Darius. Pleasure to be here. Oh, pleasure is more than more mine. I'm going to tell you that right now. Um, so it, I, I, I found this quote over the weekend, and um, and and it, it's I'm going to read it to you, and it's why I like to sing before to all my guests. You want you want me to give you this Plato quote? I definitely want to know. So I was like, man, why do I like why do I like music so much? Why do I like to sing? And 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 the re- and this is the reason. So this is by Plato. So if Plato says it, you got to believe it. And he says, uh, music gives a soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and life to everything. So that is why I like to sing. Mm. Uh, but man, I'm so pumped to have you here. Thanks for coming. Like we're gonna have some fun right now. It's rock and roll. Let's do it. So. T- like I always like when I have my guests come on the show, I always like to take a step back because especially if you're coming from the position of entrepreneurial, you know, context and, you know, usually for people to get to where you're at right now, it's not like you're like, Oh, I'm 16. I'm going to go become a master coach and teach people how to live their purpose and, and, you know, become self-aware. Like, no, like said, maybe, you know what? I, I'm totally wrong. Maybe Don DePani did that when he was a monk in like when he was 16, but like, I didn't do that, and I doubt you did either. Um, would you mind giving us maybe some of your background and how did you get into entrepreneurism and and give us some of the origins? Or I'd love to hear it. 
Sure. So I was literally born to be an entrepreneur in that everybody in my family was an entrepreneur and it was the only acceptable life path in my family. Like other parents raised their kids to go have some normal, stable job. <laughs> my parents, from the time I was four, my dad used to say, so honey, what kind of business will you open when you grow up? <laughs> I remember I was like 10 or 11 and my dad said to me, like, I just want you to know, I don't care if you have a hot dog stand and you stand outside in the cold selling hot dogs, as long as it's yours. <laughs> it's like, right. he said, you don't get a job of work for anybody else, which was good because I was probably yeah, somewhat unemployable as I didn't really follow the rules very well. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, so I, I, gosh, I started college really young. I started college just after I turned 16 and what? I yeah, like a week after I turned 16. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. I'm not letting you get past this one. So on. So you're like, oh, so did you skip a grade or something? Like nobody just like kind of starts college when they're 16. Even if you start school a little early, that's still not normal. So give us some background on this. I did start school early. Okay. So yeah, I learned how to read when I was really little. So I was in first grade by the time I was four and reading and everything. And then I, and yeah, and then I just, skip through but i didn't skip through much of high school like just half of my last year of high school wow so you so so you didn't have like the typical high school experience or did you i mean as a 15 year old did you did you were you mature for high school or were you like kind of over it or were you like i just want to get to college and get on with my life what, what was the positioning there yeah i was uh i guess i was mature for my age i was pretty much over it it was it was my last year of high school and it was winter break. And I just looked at my parents and I was like, I just can't go back. I can't go back and do another semester there. I've read everything. I'm done. It's time to go to college. <laughs> wow. So, so it's funny. I, I, I usually like to pick songs based on when I like, based on where people are from and based on kind of like their, like what was popular ish when they were in high school, like music wise. So before I read your song, which is the new radicals, you get what you give. I was like, bet you John, John Bon Jovi was really popular when she was in high school. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was from New Jersey. Thank you very much. <laughs> I love that. Out. I know that she grew up in North Jersey because we had, we did talk before the show and I'm like, I'm going to sing John Bon Jovi, but I chose the new, would you have been like, would you have liked that? Or would you, would you have been like, would that have reminded you of high school? Not really, right? No, I was not really a John Bon Jovi fan. I have to oh. say, I wasn't. I read the situation well. I read yeah, the yeah. Well. Yeah. That new Radical song, by the way, is like, I think the theme song for not only for entrepreneurs, but for everybody that's trying something big. Like, I just flipping love that song. I love the lyrics to it. Now, you know, you're in harm's way. I'm right behind. Right. You've got the music in you. It's like, that's the message we need freaking every yeah. day. So yeah, I love it. Um, so my dad said to me, you know, at, at, at this, I'm, I'm 16 in a week. He said, look, you're going to open a business. So college is useless for you, but you're too young to start a business. So fine. I'll pay for you to go to college like, for a little while. So wow. I was like, it'll keep you busy. So when I turned 17, then they told me that, okay, I could, I could, if I wanted to continue, I could go to any school that I wanted to. So I did all my research. I picked one school that I applied to. I got in and I came home with the tuition bill and my dad was like, <coughs> excuse me. So he said, yeah. let me do the math here. Okay. If we add this up by the number of years you have left, this is enough money to start a business. I'll write you a check now for the whole thing. You'll never get another dime. You can either get money to start a business or you can go to school, your choice, but you do not get another dime. Ever. Wow. Oh, wow. So your so your dad was like Wesleyan or a business. Yeah, totally. And to, to his 16 year old daughter, yeah. by the way. Yeah. So I was like, I, f I just figured I, I'd figure out later in life how to make money and start a business. So I was like, I want to go to school. So that was uh, that was it. But then I got out of school. And I remember the day that, you know, right after school he was like so okay now you're done so what's your business now <laughs> i was like ah wait so 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 you were so you kind of did i mean starting college so when you were a fret like freshman year of college were you 16 or at least like you had just turned 16 when you started college 
Yeah, yeah. Like literally, my birthday is the end of December. So I had literally just, you know, college start. I went to the January semester. So I did just. You look, did, did you look older for your age or did you look like a 16 year old? No, I looked older. I was going to say, I'm like, I'm like, that would be kind of weird if you're like a 19, 20 year old person and a guy, let's say, and, and you see, I mean, I guess 16 and 20, 19 is not that big of a difference. But if you're 22 in college, which a lot of people are, that's a that's a big six years for some people. So you were you were mature. So you 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 owned it. I'm assuming. And so you went in there and just and and you know what? Like I will tell you this: when I was 16, I could have gone to college. I I was all my friends were in college when I was 16 for the most part. So so some of us are just more you know we're, we're more ready to to get after it you know and mm-hmm. and you were one of them. So you get out of college and your dad's your dad's following his script. you didn't take the bait bait. he was trying to save money because he uh, you didn't take the bait (laughs) right so he was very um perplexed that i did not like the day after graduation have it all figured out (laughs) yeah well it's like what what are you going to start when you're 16 like to your point hot dog stand right like like the it's not like now nowadays kids could start like there's a lot you can do that you couldn't do even 20 years ago right like like if i was 20 like 20 i was i mean i was 22 20 years ago and there was very few like it was really hard to start a business then compared to kids now that are like 12 and 14 starting businesses you know the amount what you have technologically available to you with the internet it's like there really are no boundaries yeah so it's 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 my day it's a very low barrier to entry. This is why everyone is a CEO now, which I, I excuse my language, I fucking hate when I see that. I'm like, I'm like, but are you though? I mean, dude, like, come on, you you have to actually like be doing something to build a business to be a CEO. So I I have qualms about this. This is me being like a like a snarky like Gen Xer, but uh, I'll own that for myself. Um, so so you get out and your dad's like, all right. What business are you starting? <laughs> and I was and, like, and, uh, so you didn't uh, even like go apply for jobs or anything like that. You just went straight. You just, you knew you knew what you had to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had. I mean, in college, they were doing some recruiting on campus, and some of my friends that were concerned about my future dragged me down to downtown Middletown, Connecticut, to buy a suit to go on an interview. So I buy this blue suit and I go on an interview with one of the banks that's coming around on campus and they bring me in for a second interview. So I come to the city, have a second interview and I come home wearing this blue suit. And I remember I walk up to the door and my parents open the door. My dad opens the door and he looks at me and he's standing in the doorway, hysterically laughing at me. And I'm like, what? And he looks at me, he's like, where are you going in that? <laughs> so you're st- he's called you a suit. He's like, it, it, it is kind of funny though, right? Like, especially from an entrepreneurial standpoint, unless you're in banking or, or if you're in like the wealth management business or something like, yeah, right. feels a little, feels a little premeditated. Right, exactly. So, you know? so my parents thought it was my thought. They thought my blue interview suit was very funny and I did not get the job. So there you go. That was the only job interview I ever had. Um, so, so right. I didn't have a plan. And my dad looked at me and he's like, Oh, kind of like I was a loser. And he said, well, he said, I opened up a video store, you know, his little side business. He was in the garment center. He was a New York city garment though. So I opened up a little video store and you can go and you can have a job for a month. I will pay you minimum wage and you have a month to figure your life out. <laughs> so, so wait, wait. So, what? Where? What part of the city was this in? The video store was not in the city. The video store was in northern Westchester. It was like in cow country. It was like an hour plus away. It was seriously cow country. It was like middle of nowhere. Wait. So, so, so your dad opened a video video store, which, but you know, this isn't like you know the times. This is blockbuster, probably, or even. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like that's when Blockbuster was having its heyday. So one could argue this was pretty hip, right? You know, to have a video store. And 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 so this was how far away from, from your folks' place in Jersey? Over an hour away. So, but you know, think about it, it was in the middle of nowhere because these people up there had nothing else to do. They'd come in and they'd rent out six movies on a Tuesday because Oh, your dad was totally finagling supply and demand in his favor. Yeah. Um, 
he was like the original red box in a in a ski town so uh so you go uh, did you move out there or were you commuting i was commuting oh brutal so you're commuting to like this like the hip the hick town like like just the boonies of westchester to go run your dad's video store at the ripe old age of like 20 at minimum wage Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius from Shazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. And let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stop me from fully enjoying the little things in life, from canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear uses directed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and Supply & Demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Uh, you know, Alana, <laughs> we have yet something else in common. We've both worked at a video store for minimum wage. So... <laughs> Oh, that's right. You told me about the one that you worked at out in California. I did. I loved working at the video yeah. store. It was yeah. it was one of my, it was one of my favorite jobs. Mm-hmm. I it, like you know, I, I mean, I I doubt you and I had the same. It was your dad's store number one. So hold on, this is did your dad have an adult section or no? Totally. Oh, yeah, of course. Adult that's education. <laughs> that was high margin back then. Totally yeah, high margin. It totally was high margin. It was the highest margin in the store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The adult, the adult section. Did he have like one of those curtains? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyone who's over the age of, I want to say, thirty-five knows what I'm talking about. Back in the day, for you youngsters who have no idea what we're talking about, that this is pre-internet adult movies. Um, porn aka porn you if you went to a video store where it's just where you got your movies because you can download them online and they didn't send them to your house you would go and there would be a section that had a curtain <laughs> and in the curtain especially if you're like i don't know if girls did this but teenage boys like if you're an 8 9 10 11 year old boy and you see a curtain the first thing you want to do is go what the hell you want to go see what's behind the curtain not knowing what any of that stuff is so i can remember going to a video store when i was like pretty young like probably seven or eight 
being like, what the hell's behind the curtain? And the minute you see what's behind the curtain and you're like eight years old, you're like, holy shit. <laughs> I've never seen any of that before. So anyway, there's I could do a whole show on adult video stores uh, pre, uh, pre-internet. <laughs> or not even adult. These are regular video stores with adult right. sections. So did you manage the store? Uh, so first I had a job as a clerk at minimum wage for a month. And then on the last day of the month, he called me and informed me that he just discovered that the manager was stealing and oh. he needed me to run the store. So I had a continued job and I suddenly got promoted to manager. I don't remember if he gave me a raise or not. He might not have given me a raise, but oh. I still had a job. So, um, <laughs> so I stayed, I worked for my dad for about a year and a half, but over the course of time after working there a few months he said he because he was really good at finding these other little towns that were like kind of in the middle of nowhere and these people had nothing else to do so he was finding good locations for video stores so he said you know found another location he's but at the time videos were really expensive on a wholesale basis yeah right so he's a hundred bucks right they're like a hundred bucks each yeah yeah it was crazy yeah right people don't realize that but that's what they were wholesale it's crazy so he said, let's go around to other video stores and see if they have any inventory that maybe we can buy, you know, cheap off of them. And they'd be happy to get rid of some stuff they've already rented out. And we could just have all the back stock for the store. So we did that for the other couple of stores. And they were stores were super successful because now we're opening stores at a fraction of the cost. So after I worked for my dad for, I don't know, it was a little over a year, he called me one day. And he says, as, as I was opening up the store up in the boonies, he called me and he said, uh, two things that I tell you. One is you're fired. And the second thing I want to tell you is, you know, we like went around and we got inventory for other stores, for other stores that are opening up. I think there's a good business there. Wow. So, oh, the, the total like the arbitrage play. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. Wow. So, oh, all right. I can take a hint. So, um, can I get some of the inventory from your store that, you know, probably has run its course here and use that as the start for my business? And he was like, yep, okay. So by three o'clock that day, I was in business. So, so that started my first company. Can I ask you one question? And then I want to go into the new company. What was the name of your dad's video store? Northern Westchester Video. Very creative. Oh, so, so creative. <laughs> and where was it located? Northern Westchester. Yeah, the first one was in Somers, New York. There was one in Peekskill. Oh, and I forget where the others were, but those were the first two. So, so it's yeah, it's interesting. Like retail, and it's probably I don't know if it's the same now, but but my dad was in retail. He owned gas stations, so he had the same problem though. People always stole from him. That was like the deal. Like you just had a. I, I think they call that runoff in business now. You just have a certain amount. You use breakage, leakage. You just have a certain amount that you know people are going to take, right? So say to me, as long as they steal and leave you enough, is it, there's this a saying in Yiddish with chachmunis, which means like with a heart. As long as they steal with a heart, that they leave enough for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Steal with a heart, please, please. <laughs> like you got to wet my beak. Um, <laughs> so, so you, your dad's like you're fired. We got this our, this video our business because, again, back then, I, I'm going to put this in perspective again for listeners who are younger that don't that don't know this. I remember my family bought our first VCR, which a VCR is what you used to watch videos on pre before DVDs before you could stream them on on your phone and on your TV at home, if you even have a TV at home now. Um, and so, I remember we got a, our first. It was VHS because there was two options, beta or VHS. Did you do beta or VHS for your business? For a while, we had both. Yeah, beta. beta well, beta was interesting because I think beta got really popular on the production side of the business. But for the actual like retail consumption, it was mostly VHS. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you wanted to play one of those things, because back then you had like seven TV channels pre-cable, like, you know, you would have to spend, I think, I want to say my family spent $1,200 for our first VCR. Yeah. This is in like, right. now, I'm, now I'm in date, this is in 1983. That would be like spending five grand now for a device to watch movies on at your house. Mm-hmm. So put it in perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So, the, the, so, so if you can imagine, the content was not digital, it was as analog as you can get. Each one of these things to then go and re rent was 
about a hundred bucks each. So your your business was like, hey, I'm going to go and buy. So dated inventory would be they have three copies of Bachelor Party and they only need one, right? You got it exactly. <laughs> They're like, we don't really rent three. Like Tom Hanks is, you know, he's this new guy on the street. But bachelor party is not renting quite like we thought it would. We we misjudged that one. We should have only bought one copy. We bought three. We have these two that sit there and don't get, ever get rented. So Alana to the rescue. And what was the name of this business that you started? Stock Rotation Services. Oh, I, how'd you guys name that? <laughs> Again, very creative. <laughs> <laughs> is it like, oh, stock rotating the inventory right exactly <laughs> oh this like you guys uh, you guys must have come from a long line of copywriters in a box that you watch <laughs> <laughs> so you start um this business where you're buying like so let's say it was a hundred bucks for me to buy a new copy of bachelor party uh or porkies what would you buy it for i usually go into a store and buy it for like 20 and sell it for 40 so you would go buy porkies two for 20 bucks and then you would go find east westchester video store and say hey do you guys need another copy of porkies and they're like, oh, Porky's gets rented like crazy. This is like smut. So you would then flip it and you would double the price and make a little bit of money. Double or more, sure. That's awesome. So 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 how so how big did this business get? You know, gosh, I mean, I started it literally out of the trunk of my car and then had ultimately a warehouse in New Jersey with like 35 people and shipping to all over the country and libraries and uh, grocery store chains, you know, we to every, you know, we just supplied everywhere. And and, and how did you get most? I mean, I, I I take it you weren't just driving around like asking people if they wanted to sell their inventory. You you created like a funnel, and people would you know send them to you, and you you have like a price list and all that good stuff, and you would you knew what you were willing to pay for it, or you know, no, how did that work? When I I literally did start the business, driving around and finding clients. 100% the way I started the business. I spent a year on the road driving around and finding clients going door to door. Wow. Um, right. And then, you know, started hiring people that would, you know, having banks of people that would be that were on the phones and, and calling people. Uh, and then we'd start negotiating. But generally, a lot of our inventory would come, even though the video stores were booming, there were still people that were going out of business. So we would buy stores that were going out of business. That's how we would get a lot of inventory. We, we would work with some of the manufacturers and get overstock from some of the movie studios or some of the other distributors. Um, and then when there were just stores, individual stores that were selling stuff, I had, I had some people that would literally go out to stores and see stuff. Some stuff would be over the phone, but some they would, you know, team would go out and go and drive around and visit stores. Did you have any type of strategy around movie buying or was it like, like, I mean, obviously one man's, you know, garbage is another man's gold, but how did you find out that how, I mean, I got to imagine it's like, Oh, Disney movies are the best. Those ones, you know, they get rented every weekend because, because people want to shut their kids up, you know, or was it, was there any strategy around what was to buy or it had to be popular or was it just kind of like, nah, we're paying such a low price. It's this is easy. How did you guys figure that out? Uh, that's an interesting question because I think that's a universal question in any market, right? In any market, it's about listening to the marketplace and hearing and understanding, you know, what you said about one man's junk is another man's treasure, right? It's true in any market. So, you know, we would have somebody in Texas that was like, oh man, I, you know, who, somebody went to Vassar and then moved to a small town in Texas and opened up a store and had this great section of foreign films and, shockingly nobody wants to rent the foreign films and then they'd call us and be like but you know we know we can sell them in boston and san francisco and etc right or you know right. you know people that were dumping tons of kids films but there were grocery store chains that we could put in racks into a chain of grocery stores and have a kids section right that all the moms were going to and needed stemming for their kids and it was great so so uh, the business started off in the trunk of your car, you driving around, you know, just literally hustling, which is exactly what there's no other word to describe that. Um, and you were 20, 21 years old. So you've like, you were probably just starting to drink right when you were hustling uh, videos on the road. 
<laughs> that's actually kind of a cool, that's a cool time in your life, I would assume. I mean, you probably were, were, I mean, did you enjoy it or were you just drinking from the fire hose or, or you were like, what am I doing with my life? Like, how did you feel when this started to really pick up traction? You know, it was, it was fun and it was, it was, a, honestly, it was a super profitable business. It was ridiculous. Um, and I could work whatever hours I wanted to. I mean, until, you know, when I had an actual warehouse and staff in the year before I had a warehouse and staff, I could work whatever hours I wanted to. And I could take off and travel whenever I wanted to. And it was it was great. Uh, and then when I opened up a warehouse, I mean, it was just it was super busy. And that part, again, was great. You know, there's something you and I talked about the other day, though. So the point is, I fell into this business. I t- completely fell into it because it was there. It was an opportunity. And it was a great opportunity. It was a great money-making opportunity. And the business was just exploding. The video business had its had a long-run heyday. Most people don't know this, but the American film industry almost completely disappeared. Hollywood was on the verge of bankruptcy until the home video business came along and the home video business infused so much cash into Hollywood that that's what saved the American film industry. So there would be the trade shows and the Hollywood studios would send all the big stars. It was super fun. You had a ton of people that were in the video business that came out of the record industry. So you had a bit of the rock and roll and everything that went along with that. There was a bit of glam and it was, you know, it was really fun. After a while, like any business and like as any industry matures, the business eventually started to get difficult and profit margins went from huge to shrinking, 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 um, and then became super competitive. So when we started and we were doing all arbitrage, we then eventually had to go to also carrying all the new releases because now we had a ton of clients that it was beyond just their opening their stores, right? The kind of whole rush of people opening stores had subsided. So now we had to have a sustainable business. We had to service existing clients. Hmm. And so to service existing clients, we had to start supplying them with the new releases every week. Well, the new releases every week are a commodity business because everybody has the same movies not on the same day. So in any commodity business, your margins shrink to, to razor thin, right? So business stopped being fun. And I how, kept. How long did that take? How long did that take for you? Because if you're 20 when you started, how, how far are we? How Where are we at in your life? How old are you at this point? Gosh. That's a good question. Um, ballpark. Yeah, I don't know. Ballpark 30 ish. Okay. So, so, so this is about a decade into you building. You're, a, you're close to a decade into you building this business. Yeah. You spent your all your 20s. My, it sounds to me like fun at first, lots of freedom. Then it became a real business with a ton of responsibility and you're like doing what you do, which is grind your way as you scale. Right. Totally. And then margin compression kicks in. So this thing that was actually paying probably fairly well, isn't paying as well. And it's a grind and you're, and you're a decade and you're out, you're going out of your twenties into your thirties. So what happens? So I, I try everything to keep myself entertained in the business and to find meaning in it. You know, I try My warehouse was in a, a town in New Jersey that yeah, was in Garfield, New Jersey. And the next town was Passaic, which was kind of a lower income area. So I was like, all right, I'll start hiring welfare moms and give them a chance and give them training. And like that will be sort of the social feature of my business. So I started doing that for a while. And then I realized that there was so much more to that than I had thought about. Um, And I was starting to, honestly, Darius, I was just starting to burn out. I mean, I really remember one morning waking up and pulling the covers over my head because I did not want to get up and go to my own office. I remember days of driving out to my office in Garfield, New Jersey, and sitting in the parking lot, looking at the door and not wanting to go inside. Super sucked. It super sucked. So I wound up, long story short, I had, and I had some issues with staff. I had a top 
one of my top employees steal from me after I'd like paid for his honeymoon night for his wedding and, you know, give him huge bonuses and all stuff. And then found out that he was stealing from me and cleaning out my warehouse. I had a bookkeeper that embezzled and took out a line of credit in my name and almost put me out of business. I like the nightmare. They weren't stealing with a heart of gold. They were not stealing with a heart. <laughs> Gosh, that someone needs to teach them not to steal so badly against. Oh, you, can't, you can't murder the person when you're stealing. You got to leave a little meat on the bone. <laughs> So, so the, no stealing, no heart that, that you're now. Yeah. And is this happening kind of all, it, it's funny how shit happens, right? Where I feel like when things start going bad in business, all the walls close in, like everything that can go bad, it happens all at the same, same time. I would argue it's, it, it's part of like not having, I believe that that happens for a reason because you're not, we're not approaching the business with the right intention and yeah. it allows these things to creep in. What do you think about that? I completely get completely agree with you right and this was the big realization and it got worse because i didn't even want to be there i was close i did a business with a lot of my competitors in that industry a lot of us you know we would just trade inventory if you got stuck with too many copies of bachelor party but somebody else had porkies we'd trade right so i was friendly with all of my competitors so you know we'd all bitch and moan to each other because frankly at that point everybody hated the business <laughs> but i had one of uh, one of my competitors that you know I'd known for a really long time, I was lucky in that I had cracked the market of selling to public libraries, where unlike when you were doing business with retail stores, retail stores closed, when out of business, you get stuck with bad debt, et cetera. Public libraries had great financing. They weren't going anywhere. You could probably still have a business today in 2021 supplying videos and DVDs to public libraries because they still buy, and some of them have in huge budgets. Like you can't believe how big the budgets are for the public libraries. It's a very hard market to crack into. takes a long time, but I had gotten that market. So one of my competitors saw the opportunity there and came to me with a great business proposal to merge our companies, et cetera, uh, and create a new company together. I could go off and I could live overseas, which is what I wanted to do. He was going to manage all the day-to-day and the finances, and I would just do the marketing stuff and handle any of the big clients. And then, lo and behold, that was all great until my business partner embezzled from me. Uh, oh, the, this is this is so. This person's outside the deal, trying to do an M and A with you or a merger of two businesses, and then the business partner uh, who's inside your business steals from you. Or no, we did the merger. We oh, did the merger. Oh, oh, this the the merger guy ends up stealing from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did oh, the merger. Oh my god! Exactly. Yeah. Who's so that guy? After all the other employee stuff, right? And now I've got a business partner that embezzles. You know, and when I re- when I thought about it, Darius, and even at the time, and certainly looking back at it, um, you're right. It was that I I left the door open for all of these things to happen. Because I wasn't aligned with the business. There was nothing in there that I was passionate about. There was nothing in there. You and I have talked a lot about core values. That had that had not occurred to me at that time. So when the business got tough and like my I was checked out of it, yeah, yeah I left the door open for this stuff to happen. Yeah. And that was my greatest takeaway. Yeah. So 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 when what I mean, we, we you can you can tell us what happened, but did you end up selling the business or closing it? What did you? How'd you get out of that trade? I uh, wound up. I filed a lawsuit, which did not serve me at all, because that's a whole other conversation that we can have for any business owners who have ever had to be in a lawsuit. It sucks, and it's just yes, yeah, it's the it's, worst. It's the worst. Um, but I did wind up getting every penny back from my embezzling business partner. Good for you. Thank you. And then because we still had the, because I still had the library customers, there was still a business there to sell, even though he had run it into the ground. So I did wind up selling the business. So you you sold the business. Thank God that happened. Um, uh, The only people that win in lawsuits are the lawyers, Um, Mm -hmm. like without question. Mm -hmm. Um, I've, 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 I, if you count all my fingers and toes, I've had more lawsuits than those. So um, I, I'm I'm the I'm the master, and I hate lawsuits, and I'm not like I'm not a litigious person, but I have dealt with my fair share of lawsuits. Um, so you're out. You sell the business. I want to hear all about where you went from there. Mm. 
I was in a small town in Italy traveling with one of my friends on a hot summer day when my cell phone rings and it's the lawyer telling me that uh, we're all done, the, the, seal, the sale is done, the escrow is deposited, et cetera, right? And I remember, and in that moment, I hung up and I thought, now what, right? Because suddenly there were going to be no more emails to answer, no more phone calls to answer, nothing. No documents, nothing. Like I had nothing to do. And I turned to my friend and she was like, what do you want to do? And I was so lost. I was like, uh, we'll get ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> That's called the, I, I, I made up a name for that, which I probably didn't make up, but I call it the void. Yeah. You get big fat. But by, by the way, the reason this show was born out of my, my, the void. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I exited my company. I was bored out of my mind. And I was like, oh, I've been wanting to start a show for a while. So here we are. This is episode 125. And I started J July last year in the middle. The, I closed on my deal July 1st. The void. Yeah. The void's real when you're an entrepreneur. So you have the void. You go get ice cream. And how the hell does that lead to, to what's what's next? Because you've been doing some amazing stuff since then. I want to hear all about that. And we have about 17 minutes. So I want to, you got to give me the quick version. I, by the way, I love, I'm sorry. You're like, we got to give the, you know, we were talking before the show and you, you, we were talking about strategizing about ways to do the show. And I didn't tell you how much I love origin stories. I think they're the most interesting part of the entrepreneurial journey. It's hearing how people learned what they learned. And then, and then obviously the come out, like when you, when you come out of that, like, what do you do with it? But yeah, you like, w tell us about that. Mm. So I came out of that and a couple of things happened. I, I will tell you that probably for about a year, I, I didn't even want to go to, you mentioned EO that we were both part of entrepreneurs organization. I didn't want to go to events. I didn't want to go to anything because I was so afraid that people were going to ask me, so what do you do? And I wouldn't have an answer. Yeah. I remember um, uh, a friend of mine gave me a book called Chapters by... Faye, I'm blanking on her name at the moment. She started a company called iVillage. And, it, and it was a, it's a great book for anybody who's going through this. And it talked about these very predictable stages that you go through in the void. So I found that, okay, really helpful. At least I'm not alone in that. Um, and one of the stages that she, you know, she talks about all the things that you're uh, not only feeling lost, she'd like all the times you're going to reorganize your closet. And I was laughing because, of course, I was in the middle of reorganizing my closet. Until you find something and then she get you get to the stage and she calls planting a flag, right? So planting a flag. How did I finally get to the planting a flag stage? Uh, so a couple of things happened through this entrepreneurs organization. They have these groups called the forums. And somebody said to me, oh, you'd be great at working with the forums. And for those of you who are listening, who are not aware of that, the forums are these small groups of entrepreneurs that meet once a month. And the idea is that they can openly share and discuss anything. But there are guidelines around that and about learning to check your ego at the door and really speak from experience and not give people advice and step back and understand where you're really coming from and understand what the core issue is. And I was always fascinated with the concept. So when somebody said to me, wow, you'd be great working with the forums on that, I lit up. Because that's the kind of stuff I'd always been interested in. You know, through since I was a kid, I had read all these books on personal development. My degree was in psychology, how we think, and sort of the Eastern wisdom traditions and the concept of ego and how we listen to others. So I started doing that. And that led to, as soon as I started working with groups, and I would do all the regular standard material for the organization, but I'd start sharing other things that I was thinking about. And the reactions I would get from people were super powerful. And entrepreneurs started saying to me, hey, wow, can you come and, and speak to my leadership team? We're struggling with some communication stuff. Can you help us with that? Um, and can you coach me one-on-one -on -one also? And at this time, and let me tell you about the, the spy school stuff in a minute, but the key that was underlying this at this time, I started thinking about what I, in that, in that year of the void, as I was thinking about what I was going to do next and what was going to drive that, I came across this concept of core values. And I went to, first I went to a workshop that Peter Thomas, who's an entrepreneur, he started, took Century 21 to Canada. He's a great entrepreneur. And Peter built an incredible business. 
And at about when his son was about 21, his son committed suicide. And Peter so realized, right, that he had, he was so focused on his business, but maybe wasn't focused on what other things were important in life. So he went on this deep personal journey of discovering core values and how you create a meaningful life. And I went to a workshop with Peter. And that was really eye-opening for me and thinking about what my core values were and what a meaningful life would look like for me. So I started down that journey and started working on codifying and identifying those. And as those were crystallizing, people were asking me if I would work with them. And I saw that that was the perfect merger. And this was the difference. And that's what had been missing, missing all along in the other business that I had and missing in my life, really. So that was the big kind of aha revelation for me of digging in and understanding what my core values were and how I, those would be the value that I could bring to others and how I could magnify that. And then how I could help others discover that and how I could help leadership teams discover that. Because when a leadership team discovers that, how that's the rocket fuel to their success. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Uh, I mean, obviously you're talking about my, one of my two, I have three favorite subjects. Core values one, pizza is my second one. And then, and which I, I, I forgot you sent me to that group on Facebook. <laughs> I told Alana that I love pizza and she's, there's this like secret pizza Facebook group. And I went on there and was like, this is amazing. <laughs> so uh, don't, unless you, well, if you want, Hey, if you want, email me and maybe Alana and we might invite you. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, um, I forgot we have that in common. Uh, <laughs> so I, I wrote a book on core values, which I, I think, you know, the core value equation. And what's funny was I'm, I'm such a word person. Like I, I someone c- called me a word warrior. Um, I, I realized I hadn't looked up what the fun, what the definition of core values is. Do you know what the actual definition of core values is? Oh my gosh. I've never looked up to like, see what Miriam Webster says about it. What do they say about it? I hadn't either, which is kind of ridiculous when you write a freaking book about it. Um, I thought I was kind of ironic. Um, it is the fundamental beliefs of a person or an organization. Makes sense, right? Yeah. But but so what's funny is, you know, the, there's a lot of data out there. And the data is that, you know, I think it's 89% of companies, less than 80% of their employees know their company core values. And Gallup, Gallup has data that 20, only 27% of companies believe that their core values are actually true. So when you start to look looking at, so so here's two like things I just said, core values are the fundamental beliefs of your business. Oh, and nobody knows them or believes them. <laughs> like right. that's a fucking problem. <laughs> right. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? And so why do you have people doing crazy things like, you know, dragging a doctor off a flight and like, <laughs> you know, right. why does crazy behavior happen? Because the fundamental beliefs are not alive and well in the organization. And so what, what's interesting is, is, is you, you, when you, it, it's, what are your core values, by the way? Do you mind sharing them with the show? Sure. Yeah. How many do you have? First of all, three. Oh, I like that. Okay. Uh, uh, Jim Collins and Jerry Porras in um, built to last say visionary organizations have no less than three and no more than six in general. So mm-hmm. what, what are your three values? Wisdom. Grace and connection. I like that. Those are cool. Um, and do you, have you built like descriptors to say what those mean for your life? Hmm. Um, I haven't. I haven't written out descriptions, but I certainly have internal descriptions. Right. So, for me, well, I love knowledge, and knowledge is knowing things. Right. Wisdom is. Wisdom is knowing what the essence of something is. Wisdom is knowing what to subtract, right? To yeah. be able to look at something and just know what the essence is, what matters. I, I'm, I'm going to offer this to you as, as a gift. I want to des- help you design your values. Hmm. Okay. I'm, I, we'll do it offline. And then and if you want, it's, a, it's an offer. You'd like, like, like this is just something whenever I see opportunities. I, I, want, you to, I want you to experience the design side of values. That is super fun. I would love to do that because, you know, it's right. So when I work with a company, we take their core values and turn them into operating principles. But I haven't done 
but I'd love to to play with you on mine and turn mine into a design. I love that. Yeah, I, I know there's this big thing out there around op, the operating principles, and my issue with those is they're 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 they themselves are not designed to be to become the because I my whole thing is I believe values the opportunity to become the language of the organization. Mm-hmm. So, but you have to design for them to be adopted as the language. And so what ends up happening is, is people create these things and, the, and then, and some are successful at getting them operationalized, but I think it's a heavier lift than it needs to be. Well, well this is, this is a whole, this is a dairy. This is like, if you want to interview me, <laughs> I will tell you my, my thoughts on this, but I want to hear, um, we, we were, I'm going to sidetrack myself right now. Cause I'm starting to go down my own rabbit hole. I want to, I want to hear about, so you, you fully discovered this thing around values, which for those of you that have discovered it, it kind of, it kind of is an understanding. It rocks your world when you really get into it, where you're like, holy shit, like this controls everything I do. Right. And then, and then it becomes a tool that you can use that with. And so for you, you left this, this business that you didn't love. You fell in love with this concept of forum and values and forums are really cool thing because it's peer-to-peer learning and there's and i think naturally when people have good forums they find a intuitive alignment around values and then they can and they can kind of vibe off each other and we all do this as human beings if you find someone that shares your fundamental beliefs and they find someone who finds their fundamental shares their fundamental beliefs you start to get that synergistic effect out of it great teams have this how did you like take that and you you built you know MI6, you built the Stiletto by School. I, I know we're coming in the last five minutes, but I want to hear a little bit about that and we'll get wrapped up. But then we might have to have a part two. Of this. <laughs> awesome. I, I told you, like, I just, like, I can't even do a show for under 45 minutes. It's, it's impossible for me. So, so tell us about MI6 and Stiletto Spy School. And then I'm just going to say right now, we're having part two. So, <laughs> so uh, at, the, at the same time that I was figuring out what I was going to do next, I had gone to see a Bond movie with one of my friends and I said something to her as we left the theater that I'd been thinking about since I was a little girl. I said, you know, it's too bad. There's not like boot camp we could go to for a weekend and learn to be Bond girls in a weekend. And she looked at me, she's like, that's awesome. <laughs> right. From the time I was little, I used to sit and I'd watch all these movies with my dad and I'd watch all these characters in the movies. Now, mind you, I was a little girl who wore a white dress and Mary Jane's. And I sat on my tricycle because I did not want to get a spot on my dress. I did not run around on the playground. I did not, I never learned how to ride a bicycle. I didn't roller skate. I didn't do any sports. I didn't do anything. But when I grew up, I was going to be like one of those girls in the movies, you know, and like they do everything. They ride motorcycles and they shoot guns and they can jump off mountains. Right. So I figured there must be a school that they go to where you learn all these things. Cause how else would you know, so when I was little, I used to pull out the yellow pages and try to flip through the yellow pages and find that school that I was going to go to one day, but I couldn't find it. <laughs> so, Wait, what section did you look in the yellow pages? Would you badass, look badass in a cat suit? Badass in a cat suit? <laughs> <laughs> you don't look at the letter S for spy school? <laughs> no listings. <laughs> Damn, badass in a cat suit. I love it. Um, so, so you, you wanted to, so then you said, well, screw it. I'm just going to start my own then. So I said this to one of my friends. I was like, that would be so cool. She calls me up the next morning and she says, I've been thinking about that all night. You're in transition. You're looking for something new to do. Why don't you do that? And I was like, that's crazy. Who else would want to go to that? She's like, well, I would want to go to that. So I started asking a bunch of people. Everybody's saying yes. I was sitting with one of my friends and her mother who was in her 80s. And I'm telling my friend about it. And her mom who's in her 80s leans across the table and she says, can I come too? Uh, and I was like, okay, that's it. I'm building it. We're in. <laughs> so is it specifically for, is it, was it centered around women? Like you have to be female to join this or can anyone? No, 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 no. So here, so my concept was that we would all love to learn to do these things, but we're not going to go and take a year out of our life to go and, you know, live with some Zen master and learn samurai sword fighting and then go and learn shooting, right? We want to just kind of get the basics of it, both men and women. So I spent a year creating the curriculum and finding all the experts and figure out what we could learn in a consolidated period of time. So there are two programs. There's MI6 Academy, which is any corporate event, uh, any mixed gender event. And then there's Stiletto Spy School, which is one we run programs that are just for women. 
the curriculum is very similar. The takeaways are similar, but there's a slightly different twist. In the program that's just for women, there's a lot of conversation about power and femininity, right? And how we see those two things and, and the differences between them. Mm-hmm. Um, because in the women's program, frankly, you right after you learn how to shoot an AK-47, we might have strippers come in and teach you how to do other things. <laughs> so I love it. Yeah. Pole dancing and machine guns. There you go. Uh, and in the corporate program, there's, you know, in working with all of these instructors, I found patterns in the way that they think that is super applicable to us in life and business. And it's the same, no matter whether it's the Navy SEALs or the Russian Spetsnaz or the stunt car drivers or the poker players, there's a way that they approach situations that lets them get control in chaotic circumstances, right? These offer all of them, that's what they're doing circumstances. So it's their, the way that they are present in the moment, I call it tactical mindfulness and the way that they're present in the moment. And they learn to recognize their assumptions and their biases because they can't act from those. They have to react to what's actually happening, right? They have to, right. right? So, so that's the takeaway. So it's really fun. So we do that for any kind of corporate teams and we do it everywhere. Um, and that's what MI6 Academy and Slato Spy School are about. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm, I have, I'm so pissed right now. I have a hard stop um, because I, I, I'm, I'm supposed to teach people core values <laughs> in a second. Um, uh, TBD to, or to be continued TBC. So we are going to, um, we're going to, we're going to continue this conversation. I want to dig way more into Stiletto Spy School. We're going to talk all things values and we're going to hear a lot more about what you're doing at MI6. Does that sound good? Sounds awesome. I can't wait. Will you give um, the audience, because I'm, I'm going to decide if we're going to just make this two different podcasts or what, but can you maybe let everyone know where they can find you? And then we're, you're going to be one of the two people that I've saying to you twice. So this will be awesome. They can find me at alanawinter.com uh, or mi6academy.com. Awesome. You guys, uh, so much gratitude here with Alana and oh my gosh, I, I love, i love this conversation. I can't wait for the next part two of this guys join us. Um, we're going to have to reschedule for part two. We're going to dive deeper into, I'm, I want to see, I want us to go way deeper into values because I think that, that there's a lot of meat on that bone and I want to hear way more about what you're doing. So we're going to do that. Um, all of my team schedule it. Um, with that said, we, I think I got some other shows this week. Uh, stay tuned. And, uh, Alana, thank you so much. So much gratitude having you here. Thank you. Same here, Darius. Thank Appreciate you, so you. Guys, we'll talk soon. Peace out. We love you. Be out of here. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on, and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode, you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, 
and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.